podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome. Uh, good evening to another Touchline Fracker pod. This is going to be World Cup Fracker episode seven, bringing you some of that more daily content. And um, what a kind of cluster of games we've got to talk about tonight. I'll be your host this evening. Um, well, any time you're listening to this, Owen, aka X-Pac from uh, NSL, I've been joined by a Star Study cast. Uh, first up, we've got um, someone with one of the probably the best names on Touchdown Fracker, Mr. Carboholic Sean. How you doing? Yeah, how you doing, bro? You're good, man. All good, all good. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm good as well. Um, just glad that the game's delivered as per. Uh, tops, man, how you doing? Yo, I'm good, brother. Always good, man. Good to be on. Always good and good energy. And last but not least, uh, controversial Babs. How you doing? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. I'm feeling in a good mood. You know, I've got a, I've got a couple of things to get off my chest. You know, mm. a couple of French French guys to talk about. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Trey Bienza. All right. Yeah. Well, there's no um, other place other to, to start off other than the, um, I guess, the Argentina New Mexico game, which had uh, an expected dog rating, which was very, very high. See, Mbappe is killing it at the moment at the World Cup. We'll get into it. Ronaldo's getting the win, taking food off Messi's table. What's he going to do today? We'll get into it. Um, first, just to run through the lineup, uh, Sean, what did you make of Scaloni's changes and kind of how the initial phase of the game played out? Yeah, I'd. I, I'm gonna be honest. I have not watched Argentina throughout their 36 game unbeaten run. So, to me, a lot of this stuff looks hella fugazi based on what I've seen on the first two games. I'm just not very impressed by them. Do you know what I mean? I think the composition of their midfield looks a bit. Mm, they don't really have any pace out wide. You know, I don't understand Di Maria. How can Di Maria still be starting? You know, at the age of what he's 34. I just think they need a bit more pace, man. And you know, there's no way you can tell me that the only guy with pace. Is that Garnacho, brother, that plays at United? That's the only winger they've got with pace. They need, you know, just, they, they look just, they look hella stale, man. They just do. And it just looks like, the tactics to me just looks like Messi and Inshallah. There's no, you know, there's no patterns of play. There's no link up. They don't seem to have, you know, when you've, you've seen Brazil, you've seen Spain, even though Germany lost, when you watch some of those teams, the patterns are evident, you know, um, there's good rotations, there's good fluidity. Like literally, no word of a lie, this just looks like give it to Messi and let's see what's going to happen, man. And I just think that's hella predictive considering how much, you know, Messi himself has slowed down, man. So um, I think, you know, they got the win today against Mexico. It was better, but based on what I've seen, you know, evidence of the first two games, man, unless I see significant improvement, I think the first team they come up against with PMP, they're going to get whacked out this competition. Yeah, it's uh, interesting, obviously. Mexico, um, to me as well, didn't really look like... I mean, they've not really kicked on from that kind of uh, generation they had where they were brought through the likes of Carlos Vera, the Dos Santos brothers. Um, trying to think of who else now. Um, they had a quite a few players. 
Um, still not kicked on. It's only really Lozano who looked like a threat for them. So you'd expect Argentina to be still quite confident going into it. Um, Babs, what did you make of the initial lineup from Scaloni? I thought it was pathetic. Um, I think it was quite reminiscent of the England game whereby they didn't have anybody that was going to get on the ball and help them in the first phase of play. And it was quite surprising that they actually went with the DM that they did because in the first game where they did have Paredes, even though they weren't exactly the best of teams, they were able to at least get the ball at the first phase. Whereas um, the guy they had in the middle today, um, I think it was Guaido Rodriguez, he didn't seem at all any interest to actually drop in and help the phases of play. And what that ended up ha- having to do, what, what ended up happening with, with that was that you had Messi coming in even deeper than what he already was, trying to get get stuff cracking. And then from there, you had no one for Lotaro Martinez to link up with. So I think that midfield composition was like a really, really big mess. And by the end of the game, really enough, the midfield looked a lot better than what it, what it started with, um, with with Palacios and Enzo Fernandez. You know, they had two midfielders there who were a lot more busy, a lot more able to get on the ball in, in all three, three phases of the game. And it allowed them to actually play a good and positive game. And I think one of the big things about that was you actually saw Messi being able to be in and around the penalty area. Whereas in the first half, he was a lot more reserved. He was a lot more deeper trying to get involved in the game. So I thought that was like a really big mistake. Not just that, but the right back, Montiel. Guys, somebody needs to explain to me where the hell this guy came from. I don't think I've seen a worse performance from a, a right back in my life. I don't think he put in a, a single successful cross. He was trying to take on these men and he just like an absolute mess. It was very, very scary. And I, I don't know what's going on with Argentina because they have absolutely nobody out wide in the attacking areas or even in the defensive areas. And normally when you um, attribute a team that plays in a diamond, whether it be a 4-4-2 diamond or 4-4-2 box shape, you at least have two fullbacks they were able to actually offer you an outlet. And they didn't exactly have that. And I don't really know what they're going to do against a team like opponents who are going to sit in a, in, a, in a more of a deep block and not allow them to actually get to those areas. So when they actually do get to the areas, what what are the what are those fullbacks actually going to deliver? So, in my opinion, I thought the lineup was a bit of a mess, and I think it was quite prophetic from the man, from the manager as well. You know, I feel like he should show a bit more balls and just play Enzo Fernandez in, in the deepest role, as well as playing um, um sorry Ezekiel Palacios. I think those two offer um, Argentina a lot more in the midfield both on and off the ball, and they offer a much-needed energy that they don't actually have currently. Paredes as well, even though I don't think he's the best of players, I still think he offers a, a lot more than um, Rodriguez. But, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a bit of a weird lineup. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Lotaro, so whenever he's up, up front, I'm not really expecting much. I think it was something like he, he achieved three out of six passes, pathetic, didn't want to get, get involved in the play, and that's normally what somebody actually attributed with him him being able to do, you know, the Argentine, like as, as some would say. So it was a bit weird, you know, with, with the current lineup and just how like isolated those attackers looked and just how depleted the midfield looked. But I'm not surprised given what the manager seems to be like. And if he does continue to be like this in the knockout stages, they're going to go out in absolutely embarrassing fashion. Yeah, it's mad. Um, to be fair, like, uh, admittedly, I'd never heard of Guido Rodriguez before today. I'd never heard of Gonzalo Monteo, the right back, before today. And it's weird because you've got not only um, one fourth on the bench, that's not me being biased because he's experts. Like, he's quite decent in that touching right back position. He could at least carry the ball forward. And he's obviously done that well with Villarreal. That Molina, he's, um, from what I've seen of him, um, quite good. Got a move to Atletico Madrid in the summer. Obviously not good enough to play. And um, like you said as well, it was very flat. There was nothing really from the fullbacks as well. It's like if you've got a flat midfield, at least you can create some overloads out wide. 
and still try and work it in the box. And they did it a couple of times, but not really much. Obviously, Montero again wasn't good. Marcus Acuna did a little bit, that little thickums, um, but he 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 wasn't really consistent with it. Um, so yeah, going into half time, it looked bleak. I didn't really remember any real chances created for Argentina, to be honest. Um, obviously, Mexico, we're just doing well just to get two, three people on Messi pretty much at all times. Um, Rodrigo de Paul as well was pretty, pretty sloppy from what I saw. And My God, that brother stunk. And I'm a yeah, fan of him. He was, he was nasty today. In fact, he was nasty first game as well. I don't know what's happened to him. He just banged out of form, but I actually think he's a really good player. More time, I remember I watched him quite a lot when he was at Udinese. He was good, but this tournament so far, my goodness, he can't do anything right, man. He's just running right. about like a headless Like chicken. the same show, you know, on the big stage, this is where people tend to, you know, really attribute their opinions to a player. And these performances that he's putting out, he's not putting himself in the, in the greatest of stead. No, he's not. <laughs> Especially, as they're saying, that um, Atletico are looking to move some players on. And these are players that are supposed to be of somewhat decent a level of quality with decent sort of transfer fees behind them he hasn't exactly put himself in the best light though like, i uh, i personally I, I've, I've always liked him i thought i think he's quite a tenacious player he's a goal threat he's more deep lying and he gets on the ball a lot and i thought maybe today um him in there with um acuna and uh acuna <coughs> sorry uh and McAllister, i thought he'd be able to even try to get into the game and have a bit more, more of an influence, but watching him today, it, like the basics left him. The basics completely left him. I, I didn't understand what kind of performance I was watching from him. And I, I don't think a lot of people who would have watched that today would, would be feeling fairly positive about what this guy can offer um, Argentina and even any of his club teams at this point. Obviously, uh, moving on to the second half as well, Tops. Um what did you think that Argentina should have probably done at half time just to try and get back into the game? Um it was, it's a difficult one because to be honest with you, I didn't think the first half was great. You know, there wasn't many chances. When I think of when I think of this Argentina team, like Sharon said, a lot of it seems to be everything every kind of through Messi and inshallah, if they can get it um sort of in that right side position towards Di Maria, then it kind of works. But when I watch them, I, and I ain't going to say, I ain't going to lie to you and say that I've watched a lot of them in the last 36 games that they've gone unbeaten. I did watch like three of the final games in the Copa, which they won. I don't know. When I watch them, I, I get the feeling that they're, they're just a chaotic side. I don't see a team who has a massive amount of control. And even though they've got players of real quality, you know, Di Maria, Martinez, Messi, Bentancur, um, all these different players, like, I just don't see a team that has the ability to exercise any level of control in a game at this stage. And right, I think, I think honest, country there. Sorry? Yeah, yeah. I you think they, they wish they had Bentancur. Well, like, well, the thing is, though, is just that like, when I saw them against Saudi Arabia, I was baffled because Argentina are a team who I think are actually quite a physical team. They're very tenacious. Everybody's happy to go in for a challenge. Everybody's happy to go in for 50 50s They got PMP'd. They got PMP'd by Saudi Arabia. And I was thinking today, coming against a team that they know, they will know regularly and they will know how to perform against them, 
I did think it was very cowardly of the manager to pick the team that he did because he made five changes after, in my opinion, like the team that played against Saudi Arabia wasn't actually that bad. But to make the changes so drastically and players who I don't think have any real roles in the team, I don't think Montiel is better than Molina. No offence to McAllister, but I don't think he gets in over a Palacios or, or even over a Bentancur. And to be honest with you, based off what he's seen from... Oh, bro, 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 bro. Bentancur plays for Uruguay, bro. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of Palacios. Let's just pretend you said Enzo. Uh, yeah, bro. Come on, man. This, 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 ain't, this ain't new Spurs order, bro. Come on. <laughs> share, bro. Share. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so for him to start those... For, for him to change the team enough and not start the guys who we know actually are very good on the ball and are, and are going to affect the game in the way that they can. I, I, I don't know. It, to me, it looked like a little bit cowardly from the manager. And I think he maybe was trying to protect himself because these kind of games as well, like if you make the wrong decisions, you, rate, you make the wrong sort of movements in any point, all of a sudden you could be going home. The the, the 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 thing is though, yeah, I feel like chaotic is the right word to describe them because let's have it right, yeah. The second half wasn't much better, bro. Messi's goal didn't it's not like it came from a period of like heavy sustained pressure where their man were just pamming, pamming Mexico. Obviously, Mexico deferred and were just leaving two guys up top and they were just sitting back anyway. But it's not like it was wave after wave after wave of, you know, Argentina attack. It was just a moment of messy brilliance that came out of nowhere, man. So, yeah, for me, they're going to have to just rise it properly because I've seen I've seen Brazil, Brazil, Spain, France have impressed me a lot more, you know, and these guys have, you know, they've got greater patterns to the way they attack. They've got a lot more pace. They've got much more ability to create separation. Like, listen, if they play France tomorrow, it's going to be a rerun of what happened in, in the 2018 World Cup. Mbappe and Dembele are going to pack them in, pack them in, especially in transition, man. So, yeah, I just, I, I can't see, even if you were to try and change personnel, which I think the manager can do, I don't see what's going to change that's going to make me think they're going to be a better team or going to be a big, big threat this tournament. Because based on the evidence I have, um, it's not just a personnel issue, it's a coaching issue. And I just don't think they have enough Um relative to you know the other competition man so i wouldn't even put them in like my top five favorites yeah, i mean was that even since before the tournament as well or this is just as watching them has uh, nah yeah it's, it's me I, like i said i can't pretend that i watched argentina heavy i even tweeted during the game i said how did argentina beat brazil in the copper america last year because based on what i've looked like they don't look like anywhere near as good as brazil personally so you know brazil looked much better balanced generally better players in my opinion um yeah they just look like bruv they just like messy and a team of bums and thugs man i'm sorry i have to be honest bro like unless you can tell me what their redeeming qualities are you know during that copper america run it doesn't look great to me at all man at all yeah i think it was literally just the foundation of what was i guess a solid defense at a time and they just kind of lived off not really conceding goals and being able to rely on individuals to 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 get them through. Um, so obviously we saw Messi come out with a moment of greatness. Um, into the box, it didn't really even look on for him. It looked like there was loads of bodies in the way. He was gradually getting closed down by again two or three people, and he wrapped it in um, back of the net for what was probably going to be or what could even be his best World Cup moment. Um, if Sean's prediction is uh, to be 
is is to come true. Um, Dubs, uh, how did you expect that to, to even happen? Or like it's considering how messy he was and how much he was getting criticised at halftime, albeit by uh, English pundits for some of his body language. Like, did you even see that coming, like at all? For me personally, no. I, I, I literally, like 10 minutes into the game, I, in my group chat, I was like, this just has a nil-nil written all over it. And like many games that have a nil-nil written all over it, that involve Lionel Messi, he will pull out that moment of magic and that's exactly what he did. But personally, I didn't really expect him to actually get that win. No, me neither. Um, yeah, there was like a slight shift just before just before the goal, like Scaloni did make the change to bring on Enzo Fernandez, and it looked like uh, there was just a little bit more incision uh, to their play. There was just a couple of passes uh, Enzo played to the right hand side, and I was just like, oh, okay, like the ball was on the floor for how they were moving the ball through midfield at that point, and it was just okay. This is someone who's being a bit braver, receiving the ball in better areas, so Messi doesn't need to come as deep. So. Yeah, positive substitution, but at the same time, it it was still kind of a flash out of hand goal out of nowhere. Great goal. He, he, he's a baller, by the way. I know the bar is in hell right now with Argentina, but based, I've liked, I've watched him in the Champions League this season, Enzo Fernandez, and he's very, very impressive. I don't think he's going to be at Benfica very long. In fact, I'm sure he's the one that. Benfica make next big bank off after yeah. you know the there's, stuff with well, yeah, there's, there's, there's like a, I think it's like a 120 million pound release for something crazy like that is it yeah yeah he will but he looks heavily impressive to me like he, you know when I see him I see a lot of similar qualities I see in someone like a Bruno G who I like heavily at Newcastle as well you know very tenacious but very comfortable in all phases of the game um you know just you know decent all-rounders you know you know sometimes these days we don't see like a lot of all-rounders anymore i think that's why i like bruno g heavily we see we tend to see a lot of specialists you know you talk about the dm or you know a controller or you know someone who's more of a final third player but what happened to guys you know just who were good all-round man so I, i i like him i like him a lot man and i think they'd be stupid not to start him in the next game against poland as well so and poland are a very physical team as well so yeah they're gonna need that man yeah, it, it was it was interesting because um, I think we spoke about it on the main pod on Sunday about the fact that earlier Argentina teams, you know, there was a lot of emphasis on Messi having to come a lot deeper to get things cracking. And now they've actually finally got a couple of midfielders that can actually allow them to actually progress the ball in the first phase. And they're not even playing them, which is absolutely insane. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in their third game against Poland because that would probably be the perfect game for them to actually test it out. In terms of actually like see, seeing how that how, how that could be in, in knockout rounds, because as far as I'm aware, um, in terms of the next game, I think if they come first in the group, so, which they would have to do if they beat um, Poland, they'd they'd play the second in the group D. So if Australia somehow managed to beat Denmark, it would be them, but it would most likely be it would most likely be Denmark they don't play in against. And when you look at Denmark, they're a very well structured team. You know, they're not really like, they haven't really been amazing in the World Cup so far, but we've seen what they've done, you know, in the Nations League against teams like France. We've seen it, what they've done, you know, just in general over the last year, even 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 at the Euros. So what they're going to have to do against them is going to be a lot more than what they've currently had to do in, in this group. Because against Saudi Arabia and Mexico, they're not exactly the, the biggest of tests, you know, in terms of midfield battle or just how you are as a, as a team structurally. So when you play against a team like Denmark, there's going to be a whole lot more asked upon you and, 
if I was to predict now, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to go out to Denmark. So in, in terms of like how the managers currently set the team. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. But I think one thing as well I really want to see is just a lot more emphasis on the manager playing players that aren't so inclined to play to feet, similar to what Shower said earlier. So, you know, when they brought um, Alvarez on off the bench, he was someone that was happy to, you know, float across the front line, really push the defenders back and, like, make them actually have to make decisions. So, just playing someone like that is, is going to be something so so simple. But, yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't know what the Argentina wing situation is like in terms of, like, who they've got available. But it really does beg the question to ask, like, what the hell was this coach thinking when he put together this team? Because... As I said earlier, if you don't have any fullbacks that are going to offer you quality and width, you've at least got to have wingers. And when you're going to play against these top teams like a France or Brazil eventually, you're not going to be able to beat them in the field because they've got better midfields than you, naturally speaking. I mean, if you're not able to beat them out wide, then what are you going to do? You can't rely on Messi Magic. You know, we, you saw how that ended in, in, in the 4-2 against France at the last World Cup. So, you know, it'll be interesting how they do. Personally, I think they're going to go crashing out eventually. And it's going to be a bit of a messy one, but no pun intended, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I guess we'll see. We'll see. No, very well analyzed. To be fair, like I fully agree with that. It's hard to see a kind of route for progression for that kind of team. Who you a lot of uh, a lot of people kind of tout it to be like strong favorites for it. Obviously, coming just off the back of Copa America and just using that as a baseline to be like, okay, yeah, they can compete for a World Cup. Messi's probable last World Cup. Um, now as the game progressed against Mexico, they brought on um, a couple of defenses. So as Palacio came on, gave him more control. Um, Julian Alvarez kind of looked like he had a decent cameo, but again, if you're troubling, uh, looking to trouble bigger teams, I'm not sure how he would do. Um, Kuti Marrero uh, came on, had a decent cameo, if I do say so myself, and saw out the clean shoot, and. Yeah, they got the win they needed, and um, they're going to need a win against Poland, like you say, to to top the group. Um, that will sum that up. Um, Poland also played today. Um, they had the tricky Saudi Arabians who looked to just be a team which is just absolutely full of energy, like and. I was listening to um, the pod, I can't remember what episode name it was, but Dan Cook's hosting, and there was a lot of criticism for Lewandowski, a lot of people on sections of the timeline calling him Lewand Disney. Um, <laughs> it's nasty. Um, yeah, a lot of people were kind of giving him the excuse of obviously playing in quite a poor team, and I'm looking at Poland, I was like, they've actually got quite a Decent spines, the Chesney in goal, Camel Glick in defence, that Kroyak's been a decent stalwart for them for a while. And Zielinski, who's been baller. balling for the last at least two years. Um, I'm sure Sh- Sh- was even unfamiliar with, with Bielik. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bielik, yeah. I can yeah. remember his, how to say his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. I think he's still. Is he? Is he still at Derby or is he at Charlton? I can't. Now he's at Derby. I think, isn't it? So. Yeah. yeah I think he's on he, the moment, but oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he, to be fair, he's. he's yeah, he's he's a decent player, man. But to be fair, I thought Saudi Arabia were quite unlucky. Um, they dominated that game heavily, in my opinion. They put Poland mm-hmm. under heavy, heavy duress for a lot of periods in that game. I have to be honest and hold my hands up. 
um, again, I obviously I don't know much about Saudi Arabia pre-tournament, but um, surprisingly quite impressed by them, both in terms of energy levels. But technically, they actually look decent. You know, um, they move the ball around well. There's some decent combinations in and around in the final third. Um, but ultimately, what's lacking, obviously, is a bit of quality um, in the final third. They managed to find it against Argentina in the first game, but they didn't have it today. I thought their penalty they got against Poland, to be fair, was quite lucky anyway. So I didn't mm. think it was a penalty. I thought that was really soft. Um, and then Chesney made two good saves anyway, essentially anyway, both the penalty. I thought the follow-up was a sick save, actually, because... At first glance, it looked like the guy just ballooned it over, but um, you saw the hand he got to it. So that was a really, really good save, man. And ultimately, when when you don't, you know, I think it is cliche. And, you know, when you have your periods on top in games, you need to capitalise. We saw what happened with Germany and Japan the other day when Germany had however many shots in that game. And, you know, they didn't take it. And um, I think Poland were were ruthless, essentially. So, and, and you know, they had that more composure in the final third. Zielinski and Lewandowski, essentially, that's just the quality Saudi Arabia don't have. And um, that was the quality, that was the difference today. Yeah, it's true. That I think they created twice as many shots as Poland did. And it was just a case that they would get shots really close to their goal. These were like clear chances they would have, and they just kept them ballooning it over the bar. It was weird. They, I... I guess you're in a big World Cup in your kind of neighbour's back garden. It's it's understandable you probably got a bit excited and for whatever reason they weren't able to finish their chances. Um, so let's go to you. Obviously, I spoke on the criticism that I guess Lewandowski was having. Like, was you looking at him today and thinking, okay, you've got to rise it for your country today? I don't really want excuses. You're you're playing in a decent team against what. I know we've spoken about Saudi actually being a very good team, but it's still favourable opposition, in my opinion. But what did you think? I mean, to be honest with you, I think it was just really important for him to break that duck. Um, uh, obviously, being such a high-profile player uh, during his time at Bayern Munich and now at, ba- at Barcelona, um, this is someone that you know they, as a country, have looked to, and they knew that really, you know, with his age. Um, his number of World Cups he's been to, that time was kind of running. Time was kind of running out, and especially with him missing that penalty against Mexico in what would have been a really, really important sort of win, it was really time for him to kind of step step it up. And to be honest with you, I still think there's questions. I still think there's questions. I was, I wasn't particularly impressed with him today. I thought that he did some good bits, and obviously he was involved in the uh, he well he he provided the assist for the first and score the second. But I don't know, I, I still feel that like um, maybe the way that they're playing or maybe if it, if he's in his own head, he just doesn't seem to be the same sort of player. Like uh, lots of different things. When I watch him, I look like some of the basics that he was doing, um, some of his link up with Milik, some of it was just a bit odd. And then even when he was in moments where he should have made a difference, um, obviously the goal, he made a difference, the assist, he made a difference. But I still kind of feel like he... I don't know. I almost feel like sometimes when he's playing for Poland, he's trying too hard. And obviously there's lots of players that, you know, the players that he's used to playing with are of real sort of quality. But when I watch him at Poland, I'm just like surprised that he's playing the way he is. And I feel like now this next game against Argentina, which is huge, um, that he really has to try and make it extremely difficult for them um, in order to try and get any sort of points from this game. Um, it's weird as well because being a captain you sometimes think you, you've got to take on a bit more of this responsibility yourself but 
I, I just feel like today was probably one of the first times I've seen him do that for his for his country on the big stage. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think yeah, you're right. Some of his um, bits of application in some phases were a little bit. A little bit sloppy, um, but there were times as well. I felt like, obviously, when Saudi Arabia put Poland under pressure, he was quite a good uh, pressure valve for them and managed to resist pressure a few times to get his team forward because he, he seems to operate a bit deeper than Milik or, or Piotek and kind of just plays that more of a 10 role for them, which might be another reason why he doesn't get um, as many goals as you as you'd probably see on the biggest stage. But... I thought he was decisive today. Um, and yeah, fair play to him. Got the goal right at the end. His um, celebration was one of just absolute relief in the end. That He just ended up collapsing to the floor. I think he was um, in tears as well. So yeah, at least fair play. He's got his first World Cup goal. That's a big, big monkey off his back. And maybe he'll uh, stop getting called Lowen Disney on the TL. Or maybe he will. Who knows? Um, Another game today as well, Tunisia versus Australia. Um, Tunisia representing um, African teams were tilted to... After their first game, we joined 0-0. They were um, tied to do quite well in their remaining games. I think they were probably favoured to beat Australia today, but they, they lost by a goal to nil. Um, yeah, pretty great game. Australia um, rising it for their country. And... Um, yeah, fair play to them. They've uh, they've done their country proud. Final other game today, though, um, and we've got to get on to it. Obviously, France versus Denmark, which was supposed to be quite a tasty tie. Like uh, Denmark had quite a few tussles with them in the Nations League, and albeit it was at a time where France were probably experimenting with three at the backfields and certain centre backs and. Yeah, just trying to incorporate more attackers into their team, like Benzema coming back into the fold. Uh, Denmark ended up beating them twice. And yeah, it looked like um, a good game again. Babs, um, what were you thinking um, about this tie going into it? Right, what can I say, man? You know, normally when we look at the France side, you see a lot of quality, but, you know, sometimes these players don't tend to show up. Not just that, but, you know, there, there is that thing of the reigning World Cup champions do tend to go out in the group stages. But, you know, what can I say? You know, a certain young man, the second highest scorer in French World Cup history, seven World Cup goals in nine games, two game winners in this tournament, the young Kylian Mbappe. When you've got that kind of player there, that kind of talent there, an absolute game breaker, I expect nothing but a team to at least have a chance to get in the win. You know, I think it was quite characterised by, even in the first half, whereby Griezmann played a, t- a testing ball in behind and Mbappe's made a curling run and he's literally forced Christensen to actually foul him, you know, in the end there. And when you've got a player like that, you know, who's actually just an amazing outlet, a good 1v1 threat, he's able to finish, he's able to create. You just, you just the only way to describe it is a, is a game-breaker, you know. I think German Dan described it as, as well as anybody. The guy is absolutely devastating. And when you've got a player like that, you know, carrying a, a French nation, you know, who who, who, who would have thought, you know, a, a, a young guy, you know, under 23 player carrying a, a nation on, on his back like this, you know, yeah. when you've got that kind of player there, exactly, again, anything's possible. And not, not just that, but 
even Griezmann. I know that he's been, there's been a lot of distractors about him playing for the French national team, but I don't think there's been any player, you know, who's performed as well as he has, you know, consistently throughout international tournaments. You know, Euro 2016, you know, that that he, that was his show. You know, he was the guy who was really carrying the French national team and he's carried it on all the way through now. So I think one thing that I can say of the French team that, that worries me is, is the fullback situation. So looking at Teo Hernandez, as good as he's going forward, you can definitely get at him defensively. You know, um, Lundström, the young Eintracht Frankfurt winger, you know, I know he's been mm. setting the, the world alight in the Bundesliga. I know Sean, I know you want to you probably wanna to wanna to talk about him. I know you're a bit more than you. he, he gave he gave him a, a bit of a headache, you know, at, at times one v one. And then you have Kunde on the other side who we had a, he had an amazing pass into Griezmann for the for the what's the second goal? The second goal. But even still, he's not exactly a natural fullback. So those kind of positions there, they they're definitely able to be gotten at there, but they just got so much quality all over the field that they're just able to put a team to the sword. Yeah, yes, I agree. And yeah. um, I just want to wind it back a little bit because I don't think um, many people actually expected France to start quite this well. Obviously, there was quite a lot of disruption going in to the World Cup with just how they were even going to set up. And then they had all of these injuries just suddenly happen. And I felt like they've just kind of gone back to a lot of their basic principles in which they won the last World Cup with, especially in terms of the shape. Uh, Sean, how would you yeah. kind of just see how they like set up? No, I, I agree with you. I, I was thinking because, you know, I'd seen before a lot of France experimenting. I'm not a fan of Deschamps. He had been doing a lot of free at the back experimentations. But I think I agree with you in terms of I think he's just gone very simplistic. And I think this is a wider interesting point, you know, a lot of managers tend not to have, you know, international football, you don't have a lot of time with the players in it. So I think you've just got to try and find the most coherent setup that's going to get the best out of the group you have at your disposal. Um, I mean, if you think we finished the Prem season, yeah, and we just went, there was no friendlies, it just went straight into like the World Cup. So I just think, yeah, I think he's simplified it as much as possible. Mbappe and Dembele are the main dangerman. They use Giroud as the foil. Griezmann can play from him. It's not very complex from a tactical standpoint, but you have the quality in it to win games. And, you know, France, from what I saw, especially today, they're not a team that like to press high either. They kind of invite you onto like a mid block and they try to create spaces where they can create transitions for Mbappe and Dembele. Um, and even if they can't create the transitions for them, when they do have, you know, um, periods of dominance in the game, you know, those two can isolate you 1v1 and just finish you. Dembele was really doing some shimmy shimmy, jinky majinky in the first half, man. So, I he just was think, so good in that first half. Oh yeah, man. yeah, he was, he he was giving them hell, man. So I um, fair play to them. I have to give them credit because I, I I hadn't really placed any expectation on France to be honest. And the talk is that um, apparently they're a more serene camp without Benzema there. That's what I read. Um, obviously, I don't know how true that is, man. But you know, sometimes with the French, how they can self implode. You know, sometimes they tend to do well one international tournament, then the next international tournament, they're all beefing each other. But they look pretty serene at the moment, you know. Um, and this is quite a well-balanced lineup. Um, so yeah, man, you know, I think I think overall they're doing they're doing okay, man. So I think it will be interesting to see um you know, obviously they're they're the first team through now. So, how they have to adapt when they play better teams in in the knockout stages? Does Deschamps go maybe a bit more negative? Because I'm um, to be fair, I'm quite surprised he's essentially just playing four attackers. You know, yeah. um, and but 
I also have to give credit to Rabio. I'm not a big fan of him generally, but I actually think he's been quite decent in the first two games as well, man. Um, so I think I, I actually think credit where it's due. Um, Chiromani, brother, that brother's brazy, man. He's cold. Can't say anything else about him, man. Can't say anything else about him. I'm, I'm obviously, you know me, uh, CEO of the Saliba Propaganda um, fan club. You know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping certain man you know, make couple errors, so I'm ready to just load up on the propaganda. But, you know, they're holding it down. They're holding it down so far, man. So, and I think today it was a good win because I think Denmark are a decent team, um, personally. I think we all saw them in the Euros. Um, I think they've got some tricky players, you know, Damsgaard, Ericsson, Lindstrom, some decent technicians as well. I think probably they probably, they need a striker, man. You know, they just don't look potent with that. If they had a good striker, or maybe we just need some more immigration in Denmark. You know, there, there's a lack of PMP there, so they, 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 they need some more immigrants in their team, man. It's looking a bit looking a bit paceless um, up there. But no, generally, I think they're all right, man. And I think they'll beat, I think they'll beat, who's the last game? I think they'll beat Australia in the last game and they'll go through Denmark because I think they're a decent team. Um and I yeah. think they'll, I think they'll go through to the knockout stage. It's, a, it's a must win as well, really. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. They've obviously got the win. Uh, and they, they, lost they, their, they drew their first game. They lost and they drew their first game, didn't they? So yeah, very important yeah. for them to try and get a result out of that Australian game. And Australia will be looking as much as they can to stop them from winning. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I was really, really impressed with the French today. Uh, I just think, like, from a squad perspective, I just think they're so stacked with quality. Um, you know, right from the, the centre-backs to the attacking players um, to even some of the players they have um, that they can mix and throw into the midfield. Like, I just I just don't understand how you can have a dual threat with Dembele and uh, Mbappe, players who have the ability to hurt you going in behind but have the quality, the technical ability to come inside, take players on one-on-one, drag players away. Um, I thought Griezmann today was excellent. Like I think today his his work off the ball was absolutely fantastic. He must have recovered the ball five, ten, fifteen times today, um, and obviously the assist uh, for Mbappe um, for the second goal was like uh, was really really good. I, like, I even like the fact that they have him in there, and he has a freeish role. And you have like you know your box to box, and you have your DM or your six in Chouameni who are who are honestly think is is brilliant. Uh, I think he's such an elite ball winner um, and he gives them such a, an easy foundation to kind of build from. Um, he puts himself about, he gets around the pitch. Um, and like Sean said, I think Rabiot's done okay this tournament. I, like A lot of people, I think, give him uh, a bit of grief. Maybe they want a bit more from a player in that role, maybe with, with his ability. But I actually think he's done exactly what they've needed, you know, giving those four attacking players um, the foundation or the start point to be able to build. Um, I was really, really impressed with with uh, Griezmann today. I think, I think quietly, he's been one of the players of the tournament so far. I know it's just, I know we're only in the second game for the group stages, but I just think he's gone about his business kind of quietly, but kind of effectively as well in that French team. Obviously, Mbappe will take the plaudits. You know, the two match winners, really quite an imperious sort of... Um, I just when I watched Mbappe, I, I'm just baffled how a guy this young is this athletic, making guys look so silly. His ability to get in behind, his ability to link up, his ability to just want the ball all the time and cause a problem every time he attacks. Like, and to be that young and to be doing it and basically carrying a country on your back is just 
Yeah, he's World Cup over Messi's then, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hundred. I mean, hundred percent. He's more likely to win. France are more likely to win than Argentina. I don't think France will win, but you know, if if you were a better man, you'd hundred percent say they're more likely to win than Messi. Put it to tomorrow. If if France meet Argentina, who's your money on? It's easy money for me, man. So, yeah, man. I um, I think you know, from a from a legacy standpoint, what Mbappe is doing at the moment. I know Babs will want to chime in. He's got seven goals in nine World Cup games. Mm-hmm. I think I saw someone post he's already got over 220 career, you know, club goals at the age of 23. Um, he's clutch, you know, he's already bagged in one World Cup final, um, four times top goal scorer in France, bare Champions League goals. Um, I know I've even got it here. 40... It's crazy as well. Like I think he, um, I think he's even got like 30 or 31 goals for France as well. Which yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Like, not even, not even that far behind Giroud, who's about who's about to take Omri's record, you know? That's that's the thing. As much as that's paining me that Giroud's gonna take Omri's record, it ain't gonna last long. So by by probably what, in a year or so's time, Mbappe will, will have gone past that record anyway. So yeah, so minor man. So yeah, he's uh, you can't say any he's fantastic, bro. Honestly he's fantastic. So, you know I, I I don't think they will win it. But if they do, two World Cups by the age of twenty three, brother. Speak nicely on his name, innit? Yeah, legacy, so, legacy, legacy. Hundred percent. And even before I go on to it, um, I think one of the interesting things I've I, I found with this French team, um, similar, so going off what Top said, is the the use of Griezmann. So he's actually kind of been like a third centre mid in, in a way, you know, in, mm. in, that, in that free roam role. So he's actually helped the midfield a bit, you know, in terms of like actually getting involved in like the duels, winning tackles, and I think just because of the way he's actually he's always been, you know, he's always had an engine on him. So. He's not exactly going to struggle to get up and down the field. And I feel like that allows um, Mbappe and Dembele to be a bit more lazy, as you'd expect from them. I don't know if he's going to be effective long-term, you know, as a long-term solution, because I do think a top side like a Brazil who have both the quality on the ball, but also the tenacity off the ball to still actually bully you as well. I'm not sure if that's going to work against a team like that. But for the now, it is actually doing quite a good job, you know, just in terms of, like, disruption opposition teams. And, yeah, um, going back onto Mbappe... Yeah, like, like Sean said, you know, the legacy he's putting up for himself is absolutely ridiculous. Seven World Cup goals. You know, you look at the top score scorer in a Miroslav Klose with 16. Just how close could he be to him, you know, by the end of the World Cup? And just what would that say for his actual footballing legacy? You know, you can imagine that if he does win a second World Cup for France, who can you put above him when it comes to all-time French players? Like, re- no, re- really and truly, who can you put above him? Like, I don't know, what, what do you guys think about what this could actually mean for his legacy? Because I know a lot of people have been mentioning, you know, the, the likes of Messi and Ronaldo and in some aspects Neymar, but what would winning a World Cup do for Mbappe's legacy in you guys' opinions? Winning two World Cups, you 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 really, you, you have to put him at the top, top, top table. I mean, even, like, obviously a lot of people say that like, he's just hiding away in, in Ligue 1, but You've just seen how clutch he is, even in Champions League games for PSG as well at times. Um, but yeah, winning the World Cup and being that main cog in as to why your country have won it potentially twice. Yeah, he's at the top, top, top table, man. Agreed, man. Agreed. I think that's like the point you made about him. You know, you can be in a World Cup squad and win two and not really even be involved. But the fact that he's at this age, and he's of such importance to the French team and even his club team, like at this age, to be carrying the team and to be and to be performing at this high level. 
match winners, assists, causing problems for teams, literally dragging the team through to wins. Like that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the start of a player who really is kind of creating his own his own history, really. And to be honest, he's got to be in the question of like, you know, greatest ever French players if he's able to win a second World Cup for them. He has he absolutely has to be. I know Or maybe even top ten players of all time. You know, Omri's and the Zizus and, and the Platinis, but like he, he has to be involved in, in these top table talks about, about the greatest ever for France because at this point he's pulling them on his back, literally putting them on his back and dragging them through these games. Yeah, 100%, man. It's hard to argue against that. And I always hate when people, um, you know, will use the Premier League argument as if, you know, people won't rate him until he scores against Southampton, you know, on a wet windy away night. But um, I feel like, you know, even if you want to disregard, like, you know, the titles he's won at PSG, what age was he when he won the title with Monaco? He was like 17, 18, right? And he was mashing work in every knockout round of that Champions League, because I remember he scored, if you remember that season where Monaco were in the Champions League, they played City, uh, he scored home and away. He played Dortmund. Yeah. Did he score home and away? Played Juve in the semi-finals. they went out, but I'm pretty sure he scored against Juve as well. So, you know, this is a guy who, as a teenager, is getting through, is doing a madness, bro. He won the World Cup by the age of 19. Uh, you have to put, major major respect on this guy's name everything you want to do he's delivering you know the only thing obviously if he does do another world cup that won't be on his cv will be a champions league but you wouldn't put him past you know winning one champions league in his you know in his career would you so i i'd I'd expect him to do that at some stage man so yeah i think if he was to do it you know you'd then start to have start to have some serious conversations around you know where he's standing is definitely yeah there you go and yeah you you're going to look back on his career and you're going to, okay, you're going to see Messi and Ronaldo look to enter in like the severe twilight areas of their careers now. But yeah, I think football's in very good hands in killing Mbappe. Uh, quick um, question. Do, do you think, I don't know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Do you think that it could come back to bite France if they're relying on him too heavily? Do you know what? How much do they have for rely on him, really, though? I mean, they do heavily rely on him, but I think they've got a very good structure in that team now. Um, now they've kind of refound it from, I guess, the old World Cup, especially with Griezmann. Um, the midfielder, Ismail Dembele coming back as well, is, it's really, it's really going to help them going forward. So, I don't know. Yeah. I think they've got enough in their team to... It's a funny one. I don't know. I, I, I looked at them today. I, I thought Giroud was poor. He come off. They brought Turam in. And then they took off Dembele. And they brought in Coman. And then after that, after that I, 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 I don't want to say like they became toothless. Like Denmark got a bit more back into the game. And yeah, they had a couple chances like on the break. But then I, I kind of felt that like any sort of attacking threat after those two goals, it kind of diminished. And, they, and I didn't really see that they were doing too much. They had a couple chances, but I don't know. I just, I just don't want them to get to a situation whereby, because obviously Benzema's not there. Giroud isn't like obviously he is prolific for France, but like obviously he's not massively liked because he can't perform even in games like today. But I just don't want them to get to a point whereby they're looking at Kylian to literally t- take him out of a hole when they need to when they need to get out of him. 
and just that little period when you know Dembele and um Dembele and Giroud come off I looked in and I was like I don't know they don't really look they don't look great at this point but I don't know maybe that was just a small portion of the game to be honest to be fair they, they have lost when when you considered the guys that were already injured and missing the World Cup for France they have you know they've still got decent depth but I, I hear what Tops is saying because when I look at the midfield I'm like it's solid, but it's unspectacular. You know, there's, you know, when you think about France, there's always a midfielder with a bit of, you know, jinky majinky, bro. There's, there's not much, much flair in that midfield without Pogba. You know, there's my boy, what's his name, um, Lorient, that Enzo Lafay, but obviously it's probably too soon for him. But um, obviously, and Nkunku got injured. So when you look, you know, I think obviously Coman's a decent replacement uh, for mm-hmm. like Dembele or Mbappe, but. You know, it's Marcus Turam and Kolo Mouani from Frankfurt. There's not actually that much, you know, in the attack. So that, that you know, um, that probably is, might be something for them to to slightly be worried about. So, yeah, keeping Mbappe and Dembele fit. If, if, they, if they keep those two fit and they have Komen in reserve for the bulk of the tournament, then, then I can definitely see them going far because yeah. defence is still, is, is relatively solid. You know, the fact of yeah. the matter is that, you know, Varane and Upamecano started today. They were relatively solid most of the game. You've got Kanate and Saliba in reserve. Kunde, they didn't um, take, you know, that talent from um, Leon Marlo Gusto, who I think is really, really talented as well. So um, France are quite stocked, man, especially defensively and, and you know, um, some decent options in midfield. But yeah, they're obviously relying on Mbappe and um, Dembele to carry them over the line, I think. That that those are the main threats from France. So if they can keep them fit and healthy for the majority of the tournament, then then they have as good a chance as any. So I, I have a question, Sean. I know you said you, you don't expect them to win the tournament. So mm. what what can they do to convince you to really put you, you know, as that kind of team? And and what team do you have in mind that you think is going to actually be the team to stop them, either on their side of the of the um, tournament tree or on the other side? Mm. So I think. Brazil are still my favourites. Um, they were my favourites from the start and I probably haven't seen anything to change. You know, you know, when we talk about stacked attacks, you know, we were talking about when you look at what Brazil literally changed five attackers the other night and you saw the five they brought on and I said, yeah, this is a joke. Like generally their front four they started with was Richarlison, Neymar in behind, Rafinha left, Vinicius right. Then they had what? They brought on Martinelli, they brought on Rodrigo, they brought on Jesus, they brought on Anthony. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's levels. From time when you can leave Bruno G, who in my opinion is top five centre mids in the Prem, as an unused sub on the bench, crazy, 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 crazy. So for me, yeah, that would be my favourite. Um, what would make me think France have a better chance? I want to see them when they play a team at similar level, um, personally. So that would probably be, you know, what would what would sway my opinion. You know, if they had a, you know, a Pogba fit in firing, I'd probably bank on them a bit more as well. Um, so, yeah, like I said, Rabiot and Shuramani is solid, um, but probably a bit unspectacular, in my opinion. So, um, but, so, but you know, if I was to look at it from the other side, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, solid and, and unspectacular can can be enough to win. You know, it doesn't need to be the most flary because um, Pakatar and Casemiro, is, is it that much better than, than that partnership? Some would argue maybe not. So, so um so I think, you know, yeah, probably to convince me, I just need to see more. Um, based on what I've seen in terms of talent, structure, overall overall play, like that Brazil-Serbia game, it was just all Brazil, you know. I, I think there was no doubt in my mind in that game that Brazil were going to win. 
that goal was always coming, you know, and the moment that game was broken open, it was game done for me. So, yeah, I, I still have them as my strong favourites. I am intrigued slightly by Spain, um, just because I think, and I was impressed, actually, I think, because, you know, a lot of people wrote Spain off at the Euros, but I thought Spain were very good at the Euros, to be fair. Agreed. I thought Spain were very, very good at the Euros. And, you know, in my mind, they still have the, you know, they have Pedri, who in my mind is the best young midfielder in world football, who's a joke. So, mm -hmm. and their midfield is very, very balanced. They control games well. They create a lot of chances. Obviously, they probably have the weakest attack, in my opinion, compared to, you know, relative to all the other favourites. So that's probably where it, where it falls down a bit more, in my opinion. But, and yeah, when I'm seeing people like Aspi start at fullback for Spain, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like bro. Aspi right back, Rodri centre-back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so, you know, and and Eric Garcia is 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 the exact definition of, of of white privilege, man. Because I don't know why what that guy's doing to get to that point where where he is, man. You know, um, he's highly highly favoured. But yeah, so I think Spain midfield wise, we know midfield wise they're always strong, man. But I'm a bit concerned about them defensively and defensively. So that's why I wouldn't plump on them as favourites. But you don't know, you don't know. I think it would be wrong to rule out Spain, man. But yeah, so Brazil for me, I think if Germany had a proper striker, I would put them up there as well. But because um, they created more than enough chances to beat Japan the other night, and is is that Germany? Is it Germany Spain tomorrow? Yeah, similar. Yeah, to yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Okay, that one. I think you know. To your answer, Babs, we'll get some more answers tomorrow. Look forward to that. But you know, I yeah. actually do agree with you in terms of the favorites in terms of Brazil. I feel like a lot's made up about them in the in, the, in the attacking sense. But when you look at them defensively, you know, in the last. What seventy? So I was looking at um. So Tite, he's managed seventy-seven games for Brazil since twenty sixteen, right? They've conceded twenty-seven goals, and he's kept fifty-three clean sheets within those games. So yeah, they are an amazing attacking team, but he's also a team with formidable defensive um foundations in the likes of Marquinhos and Thiago Silva with Allison in, in in behind that. Like you've got three of the best, you know, players there in their respective positions, and then you go ahead of them. You got arguably the best DM in the world in, in Casemiro. So when yeah. you think about that, yeah, their attack is amazing. You know, yeah, they've got these amazing Mavericks that are able to unlock any defense that possible. But you've also, I guess, got to look at them defensively. The fact that they've not really conceded many goals, they don't really concede many chances, and it will take quite the miracle to actually both outscore them and actually get goals past them. So I, I do agree with you there. It will be hard to look past them, but I think that could actually be an amazing game. To see for, for the neutral anyway, you know, in terms of a World Cup final. But coming back to France, you know, a strong two-one win. I thought another interesting part with, with, with that game was um the use of um the, the was, it, was it two centre backs. I know a lot has been made up about Upamecano by a lot of people. You know, a lot of people don't seem to rate him. But personally, I'm not like, I've, I've always been a fan. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for him just because of like his actual on the ball ability. Like, I just can't, you just can't look past what he actually offers, you know, as, as in, in a team who are actually devoid of having like a, a midfield maverick. So he's actually able to bypass the midfield and put in a ball, you know, to the likes of Mbappe or Dembele and just get things cracking from the back. I think he's actually had, a, I think he's had a strong World Cup cameo so far. You know, he's strong in his duels, you know, he wins his tackles and you can trust him on the ball. So I feel like even still when you look at him, he's only, what, 24. So it'll be interesting to see how he, how he does long term because I, I, I am a bit of a fan of him and I do think he's put a, a good account from himself during this World Cup. 
I, I mean, no, I, I, France are stacked at centre-back, man. They're absolutely stacked at centre-back. Like, you could mix and match with any of those four options and, and, and you'll be calm. Obviously, Kunde himself is naturally a centre-back, but obviously they're paying mm. him pay, paying him at right-back. So, um, and, and to Babs's point, I think, I think that's important because, um, you know, I think one thing I've noticed in this World Cup so far is that I think a lot of the teams are really well set up tactically you know they don't give a lot away especially in the central zones as well so i think good build-up is key um and especially like you know if you you know this is one of the issues i had with england the other night because bellingham and rice weren't giving it as well i think it's key to have be able to have good build up build up pillars from all angles um and it's probably one thing i've learned from you know me as an arsenal fan under arteta where he focuses heavily on that you know every Every facet of our back five, you know, from our goalkeeper, who's really good at distribution, Zinchenko, um, both Gabriel and Saliba and Ben White, who tucks in. So I just think, especially when teams are trying to block off central zones as well, having people who can carry into different zones, who can distribute from different angles can, you know, it just gives you another bow to your, yeah, you know, another string to your bow, man. So I think it is important going forward. Um, if, you know, France have guys like Ufa Makano who can give them that as well, if, if you know, the centre mid, I aren't giving that as well, man. So it's probably, yeah, an interesting facet to watch, man. But yeah, I, I would have France in the top, maybe top. Yeah, uh, you know what? Maybe France top three favourites, definitely, man. I think top three. I don't think that's unfair. Cool. And the other two are what? Brazil and Brazil and. Mm, I don't know now. So for me, uh, I might, I might go. Uh yeah, I'm not sure. I might have to come back on that one. Um, because I like Portugal squad, but I think CR Kelly is a hindrance and also their coach is a bum. So um those two things I think will work against them. I feel feel like someone like Portugal have got huge bus potential and I wasn't really impressed with them against Ghana the other night, if I'm to be totally totally honest. So I'm not gonna put them there, even though I like their squad. Um Spain, I like the way they play, and I think Luis Enrique is a good coach. But, you know, I think there are areas where they're very strong, i.e. midfield, but there are areas where there's a lot of question marks as well, you know, uh, particularly at fullbacks for me and, you know, um, lack of a proper shooter. You know, the fact that Asensio was doing force nine and Morata was sitting on the bench last the, the other night, you know, <laughs> that doesn't speak well, doesn't speak volumes to him. I would be, I would put Germany up there if they had a striker. Um, but they've got a lack of a consistent shooter themselves as well. So... Um, I'd even so question yeah. Germany defensively, you know, Sean. Facts. Yeah, agree, man. Agree. That, that, that's no, not a bit gay. I, I, I watched mm. that's mm. not a bit gay. I just felt yeah. that like those chances that they gave up to Japan, that's that, that was just it was too easy. It was too easy. Like, and and the thing about the thing about big teams, I think is so important is that when you're playing these games, you need to be able to well, first of all put your chances away. But secondly, when you ask, when you are asked to defend, you need to defend. No, it's true. And it's true. I'm that... very, very surprised that at the ability in which they were able to get those chances in against against Germany the other night. And did Germany not have a good right back? What's going on there, man? Why are you playing Sula out there, bro? That guy yeah. cannot run. Like Just he, he cannot run, back, man. I don't know why it's, it's crazy. It's crazy because. Because you, you you look at Hansi Flick on what he's done in terms of bringing them young players, you know, guys mm. that starred in that um, Euro um, German team. You know, one of the biggest stars in that team was R- Ridley Baku at right back, and 
Mm, you think that he'd bring? I have no idea. I have no Martin idea. Yeah, yeah. He, he was he's, decent. He's still, still at Wolfsburg, and yeah. I'd, I'd assume that naturally, as a option there, what you could offer them going forward would be a lot better than what what you would get from a Sule. And I'm not sure if he's having a good season or a bad season at um, Wolfsburg. I'm not going to pretend like I've, I've watched him, but mm. from what I've seen of him, anyway, I would assume that he's going to be obviously it's going to be a lot better having a natural right back there. Yeah, um, yeah. The other thing that worries me with them is the centre backs. So Rudiger. Mm. He's been quality, but you look at his partner in Schlotterbeck and oh, my he, he, God, that brother I can't believe that I can't, brother. That... I, you, you know, you know when when we talk about stinkers, yeah. you know when we talk about stink like you, you, sometimes we kind of like overreact about a player and how bad they play. But you look at Schlotterbeck, absolute mess, terrible footwork, completely lacking any sort of positional awareness. He didn't want to get involved in his duels 1v1. And that's just the basics of what you expect from a centre-back. And that's going to cost them re- really big, you know, in terms of defence. And even looking at midfield, right, I love Gundogan, I love Kimmich, but I think one thing they lack in, in that midfield is someone that's actually able to, like, track off the ball runners. You know, Kimmich and Gundogan, they, they, they're decent defensively. Kimmich, Kimmich is good in his duels, you know. He'll, he'll intercept the ball, but... I just feel like they lack something, though, know, in terms of like just in terms of like actual guys roaming in behind them. Because as you can imagine, if a Griezmann to like pick up the pockets that he does, you know that he has done, you know, so far in the group against them, Denmark and um, Australia. If he does it against those two, you need someone to track him. And I'm not sure that Germany have that kind of position. You know, you look at Gabi, you know, for Spain. That's another player that likes to actually, you know, roam around. And I'm not sure he's going to do that for them tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see how their midfield does. You know what? I think that's a really good point. You know, I was looking at their squad, and you're absolutely right. Like they're probably the most defensive-minded player in that in that midfield is probably Kimmich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Goretzka not good at tracking? Yeah. Oh yeah, Goretzka. I guess he's more box to box. I think yeah, probably what I would do if I was Germany. Obviously, I know Kimmich is top and better in midfield, but he has played at right back. He's comfy at right back, and he's probably a good option at passing from right back as well. Um, you know, build up. I'd consider doing him there, um, and then Goretzka and maybe Gundogan in midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, Musiala just ahead, baller, big big baller. Um, and then is is obviously I know they said Sane had an injury in training in it. That's why he didn't play the other game. But yeah, if he was fit, I'd have him and Gnabry. And then boy, brother, anyone but that Havertz guy up top, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 need sign, bro. Even if it's that young you Mikoko or Adeyemi, but just give me sign, mm. bro, because he ain't doing niche. He's doing niche, bro. He's doing niche. And he's had he's had so many chances, bro. It's enough now, man. It's enough. Give someone else so a go. So many man. chances. Like, come yeah. on. Give, man. give, give somebody, give somebody else a go, man. It's, it's, it's enough, bro. So yeah, part, part, pass on the baton, man. So yeah. Do you know what? After all of that said, yeah, <laughs> I was saying, I don't put France up there. I'll put France second favourites now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hey, Brazil, sure. Brazil, number... it's, it's one that was like, you know, when you start, you know, when you start to actually like, put it yeah. together you think I'm just like okay, France are better than a lot team. of these man bro <laughs> yeah they, they are better than a lot of these man it'll be definitely interesting to see how, how they do and you know I don't know about you guys but I've actually been enjoying this World Cup so far so no nah, it's been good man. Only, I, think it's, two, I think it's two, been two right, man. In. I actually think it's been good I think you know there's surprisingly there's been a lot of teams that you know uh that you know people didn't obviously think much of but there's been a lot of shocks which have been good you know you, you've seen mm-hmm. Iran you've mm-hmm. seen Saudi Arabia 
Um, I like Japan, Japan, by the way. I do. Yeah, I like Japan yeah. a lot. I think they're. I actually think they're a decent team. You know, uh, very underrated, very very technical, bro. Mm-hmm, you know, if they had mm-hmm, a bit more mm-hmm. PMP, they'd cause teams yeah. hella damage, mm-hmm. hella right, damage right. because they know how to. They're the sort of team, yeah, that you can put under pressure, but they know how to play through you, bro. Yep. You know, there's a couple times Germany were were trying to press up high, and I was like, yeah, Japan will put in quick one two moves, and I was like, yeah, yeah, they're out, they're out, they're out. And the longer that game went on, went on. You could see that thing from Japan coming. You could literally see it coming, boy. So, yeah, and they've got um, they've got decent players, Japan. They just do. They really do. So, yeah, I hope. Actually, it would be mad if one of Germany or Spain don't get out, and Japan mm. do. You know, personally, mate, I wouldn't be surprised because if Spain go and beat Germany, and well, Germany are out. It's Costa Rica. They yeah, are out. Yeah, yeah, they're out. yeah they're they out. should pack them, man. If they should be able to pack Costa Rica tomorrow, so. No, yeah. I I expect Japan to pack Costa Rica. So yeah, I think it comes down to the fact that yeah, boy, Spain beat Germany. That's it, boy. Germany yeah, out. It's scary, yeah. man. Bro, it's football, it's Sunday night, it's they could football, be man. packing their bags, heading back to Munich, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even when you talk about another underdog, you look at even like a, an Ecuador. You know, they they've been quite impressive. Yeah. I was really impressed them against um against Holland. Yeah, yeah, nah, yeah, they yeah them really damage. Nasty, nasty dogs. Yeah, yeah, they look nasty, man. They look nasty. I don't understand half of what Van Hal's doing with that team, man. It just looks bare. It just looks it's bare, nice. uncoordinated, man. This yeah, yeah. It's, it's not nice to watch. And Ecuador, bruv, them man have got a hella PMP, bro. And and yeah. I I remember the first game here yeah, against Saudi Arabia. People were like, how can these man run like that? I was like, you might forget Ecuador's in the mountains, boy. These man are used to high altitude, um, bro. Them, them 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 guys do not stop running all game. I, all game. I, I just like yesterday when I was watching that game. It's just like there are lots of names that are kind of household names, but when you actually deep them, just mm-hmm. flatter into the sieve. Like yeah, yeah. Some, oh, some, some of them are not that good, man. Some of them are not Frankie that good. Frankie Young, boy. Like you know, boy. they're still starting. They're still starting like Daily Blint and Bergwijn. It's just like I don't know, man. I, like I'm so I, I'm not impressed by like Coop Miners. I'm not moved by like Klassen. Like I don't know. They just don't look like a team that. With the kind of like, with the history behind Dutch football and like, you know, them being all technical players and the players that they have kind of developed in the last few years, I just was so disappointed by them yesterday. I just thought like the game, even though it was a draw in the end, Ecuador deserved way more from that game, man. And you're right, Sharon, they properly PMP'd them yesterday. Properly. Yeah. And, and it's funny, yeah, because a lot of people have um, spoken about Moises Kaiser, you know, you know, he's been really big at um, Brian, but that other midfielder they have, um, I think Yegson Mendes, he's really impressed me. He's really, really impressed me with the, with the way he's actually like got on the ball and tried to dictate play. Even the Qatar game, I missed the second half, so I watched a couple of the highlights and he was that guy that seemed to be, you know, getting on the ball and like, actually like making a real in- impotence on the way they went to play. So they've got quite a few players and, you know, Ene Valencia is looking like he's going to potentially get uh, the World Cup goal on the ball. Yeah, you you gotta remember as well. Ecuador were the ones who stopped Chile and Colombia from qualifying as well for this yeah, man. So yeah, true. I don't, I don't. People shouldn't sleep on them, man. You know. So I think they're the sort of team. Yeah, if you're gonna beat them, they will make you work for it, bro. You exactly. you have to sl- you have to get in the slums with them and proper slog it out to beat Ecuador, man. Agreed. So because I've even Agreed. seen sometimes you know some of the qualifying games they give Brazil and Argentina hell. So so yeah, man. Proper hard fact, and, and in knockout football, one thing you're not going to want to do is go to extra time, and yeah, it yeah. gets a team like that, they're going to run for that 180 for, for, for all those minutes. So, 
good luck to whoever has to play them because I'm not going to be surprised if they do get into the next round of the of the World Cup qualifiers, World Cup knockout stage. Sorry, just working out. So with um, I see Ecuador being in uh in Group A, do they play Group B for the uh, yeah, for the knockout? Yeah. Is that how it so, works? So um, they play. Uh, yeah, if that's if that's true, they play whoever's in England's group. So if England finish first, and like I expect Netherlands to beat Qatar, even if they're cheeks. So Ecuador <laughs> likely to finish second. We'd probably get well. I'd say England will probably get Ecuador in the next round. And <laughs> that would be hard. It won't be easy. Game it won't be easy. It won't be easy. I'm it telling easy, you, boy. You know. that won't be. Yeah, nah, it could get very sticky, boy. Because oh, looking at the way the PMP of USA caused England hella problems yesterday, boy. Yeah. Oh, man, <laughs> boy. Had a little bit of South America because be, because 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 what you need to bear in mind, yeah, England based based on what we've seen, England are not a team that can control games well at all you know so england bank on outworking a lot of teams as well and the fact of the matter is what you saw last night is that usa could keep up you know easily with england as well so you know england are going to need to learn how to control games well i mean obviously i I don't expect it to happen you know with waistcoat and stuff but yeah man so i'm um yeah ecuador if england get them that would be a very, very, very tough game. Very, very tough game. Yeah, I would have been nice to see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is he plays for, for Brighton? Is it Estepina? Yeah. Yeah, the left back. Yeah, the left back. Well, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that centre-back, Hincape, he looks good, man. I like him as well, man. Now, yeah, do you know what? Ecuador won't be an easy game, boy. And that's the sort of game, yeah, I could easily see that game going to extra time. Easily, easily, easily see that game going to extra time. England will struggle to beat them, 100%. And they play three in the back as well. Yeah, yeah, it'll be tough, man. That would be tough. Yeah, good luck. Damn, damn a thing. Well, yeah, well, that, I guess I will run up tonight's pod. Um, I guess we've kind of got Ecuador as like our favorite kind of dark horses now. Um, but no, thank you uh, guys for joining me tonight. Babs, Tops, Sean, obviously, a bit amazing. We've um talked over a couple of obviously quite good World Cup moments that happened uh, tonight alone, and it's been a pleasure. So, uh yeah, well, half of the listeners keep on uh, listening out for all the daily content from the guys as well. Uh, it's coming thick and fast, so yeah, they'll be switching off. But yeah, well, half of us again tonight. Peace. Peace. Podcast Network.